0: So, what is a vision? Vision is a picture of the future. When vision comes from God, it is a future picture of where God wants you to be. It is something that we can grab hold of and hold on to when we are building the kingdom. For Joseph, he had a vision. The vision was of him as a ruler and saving the surrounding nations. And I'm sure that when he was in that, that jail cell, in that dungeon, he was thinking about that. He was holding on to those dreams and those visions from God. The vision that I want to focus on today is found in the book of Ezra. And I want to share how that vision relates to the larger purpose of God in the scriptures, and to our vision here at Tikvat Israel. So the book of Ezra actually starts with uh, Cyrus. He is the king of Persia. And this foreign king has a vision from Hashem to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. So let's check it out in Ezra 1, verses 1 through 4. Here we go. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia... In order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, okay, so this is already in scripture, already prophesied. The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem." So, there's some cool things going on in this passage. Number one, as I said, the vision is given to a foreign king, a Gentile king, not the tribe of Israel, to rebuild the temple. Second, this is the fulfillment of the word in Jeremiah. So, it's already prophesied that the return from the exile will happen, right? And the temple will be rebuilt. And third, this is a vision to rebuild the temple. The temple was... The center of God's holy presence. It's a restoring vision. Because the Israelites were exiled. Why were they exiled? Because of idolatry and disobedience. And now they're coming back. They're coming back to the land to live in God's presence. They're making teshuva, to connect with Hashem in the temple. They're returning. The word for return in Hebrew is also related to the word for repent. So, this is the center of Jerusalem, the temple, God's holy presence. So, some of the exiles return, not all of them, under the leadership of a man named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, that's a good one, right? It basically means planted in Babylon. So, it gives you an idea that this guy was, he was from, uh, kind of rooted in exile, but he's coming back. And they start rebuilding, right? Things are going well. They're praising the Lord. They sanctify the temple. There's a song they sing of praise, but then they encounter some obstacles. The first obstacle is with the older generation, I'm sorry to say, and they see this new temple. Yes, and this is the generation who remembered the temple of Solomon from 70 years earlier. So everyone young is shouting for joy. Woo! And the older people are weeping. And the older generation is weeping because the temple of Solomon just doesn't compare to this new temple. We're not only talking about glory and splendor because we know Solomon was very wealthy, right? But we're talking about the temple of Solomon was the center of God's presence. And when they built that, he, he actually prayed a, a prayer of repentance. And they built it and... The the presence of God flooded the temple like smoke, all right? In case we need a refresher, uh, this is what happened in 1 Chronicles 7, verses 1 through 3. This is the first temple. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not even enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all of the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, His love endures forever. So this is what the older generation is remembering. But this time, the second temple, nothing like that happens. So maybe we could try to get a sense of that. You want to try? See what that was like? Okay, so pretend this Torah behind me, this is the temple, okay? So I want you to raise your hand if you consider yourself young. All the young people. Oh, oh, we're filled with young people. Okay, great. So um, you're going to use the word uh, joy. So let's just practice. One, two, three. Joy, all the young people, because you're so happy that we've come back and here's the temple. Now raise your hand if you consider yourself maybe a little older, OK, just uh, maybe three people. OK, good. So your cry, you're going to say, instead of joy, you're going to say, oy. Can you try that? One, two, three. Oy. Think about how great this was when Solomon, Solomon's temple was great, right? Right, older people? Yes, OK. You're with me. So uh, what happened was they were both crying out at the same time in this, in this, um, in this story. Okay, so we're going to do that at the same time. One, two, three. If you're young, you're going to say, and if you're older, you're going to say, "Oi, let's try it. One, two, three. Wow. You can see the problem here, right? The people are divided by generation. There's no communication about this issue. It all all got drowned out. You couldn't tell. Scripture says you couldn't tell who was mourning and who was happy. It was just all people shouting because oi and joy sound similar, all right? <laughs> um, there's no Lador Vador here. There's no generation to generation. And, of course, there's no filling the temple with the presence of God. And on top of that, there's another problem. Let's check it out in chapter 4, verse 1. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin, say enemies, enemies, heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, The God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel, remember this guy, and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build, because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esar Haddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrated their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to even the reign of Darius, king of Persia. He was, of course, the next king. Okay, so here we have some conflict with people identified as enemies who have come at first. Apparently, they're saying they want to help, but their true colors kind of come out. And they become a thorn in the project, and they end up delaying it for almost 20 years. Then we come to another foreign king. This is the, uh, the next ruler, Darius. And like Cyrus, he also has favor on the Jews, And he finds out about this project, and he starts funding it again. He catches the original vision. And and here we have the Passover is kept again, and the temple is finished, and it's dedicated. And then we see another foreign king, Artaxerxes, and he has favor on a man named Ezra. And Ezra's heart is, he is a reformer. Ezra loves the Torah. So he goes and he reads from the Torah and he reinstalls the festival of Sukkot, which is coming up, and the regular reading of the law, and he gets the people to, um, to get into the Torah and be lovers of Torah again. Now, the book of Nehemiah, which is after the book of Ezra, originally it was one book. So at the end of Nehemiah, we see kind of the finished story here of the story of Ezra. In Nehemiah, they are given funds by another foreign king, does it sound familiar, all right, to build a wall around Jerusalem to protect it. And this is essentially an extension of the vision that Ezra and Zerubbabel carried out. So they were focused on the temple and the Torah, and now we have the whole city. But it turns out that the temple and the wall and the Torah, these have all fallen into neglect by the end of the book of Nehemiah the people are working on shabbat even though ezra told them not to the people are turning away from god they're not providing for the priests to do the work of the temple so they're not they're neglecting the temple that they just dedicated and at the end of the book nehemiah he tries to reform them he gets really angry and he tries to bring them back to torah but there's limited success israel is not quite fulfilling the vision here that god had for them so what do we make of this story well let's look at the larger vision the larger vision in scripture god's temple as i said was given for the purpose of god dwelling among his people for israel to serve god and for the nations to come and worship god through israel the purpose of the torah was for god's people israel to be a light to the nations to know God's ways to represent him on the earth. Moreover, there was a particular vision given to Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah concerning Jerusalem, the Torah, and the temple. This particular vision to rebuild and restore the temple and the law, it was part of God's overall vision. And to some degree, they find success. They get help from kings representing the nations, who catch a vision for the Jewish people. And these Gentile kings are supporting and protecting the Jews to fulfill their calling as Jews. But we also find setbacks and delays and missteps in the story, as we described. So what's the solution? The truth is that Yeshua is the fulfillment of God's ultimate vision and purpose on the earth. Yeshua is the living Torah, the living temple, the light to the nations. Only in Yeshua are these visions completely fulfilled. Yeshua broke down the wall of separation so that in him, the nations could dwell in the presence of God. Yeshua taught the Torah just like Ezra, our friend Ezra. But like that 90s band, he was better than Ezra. You know, Oh, okay, we remember that, Yes. Yeshua was better than Ezra. He taught the Torah in such a way to write it on our hearts. And he made Israel totally holy so that God's presence could dwell with God. Yeshua was the ultimate rabbi. He lived out the Torah through his life, his death, and his resurrection in a way that enables us, his disciples, to do the same. Unlike the days of Ezra, Yeshua lives now to intercede for us in the real temple in heaven. Yeshua is the fulfillment of this story, of all the stories in scripture, really. The book of Ezra is a book of vision, but also derailment. It's a book of hope, but also disappointment. It's a book of holiness, but sin as well. But Yeshua brings the vision and the hope and the holiness to completion. As many of you know, the elders and I, along with our wives, have been meeting regularly throughout the summer and fall. And we've been praying together and brainstorming and processing together vision and values for Tikvat Israel. I shared this biblical example of Ezra because I want to explain how vision works. And I wanted to share parallels with our purpose and our vision here. Now, as many of you know, we have a mission. We actually say it twice in our opening spiel. Uh, Does anyone know what it is? Our mission is... Man, Maggie, these... (laughs) to, To build a congregation for Yeshua within the house of Israel. But a mission is not the same as a vision. They're different, even though they almost rhyme, right? Mission, vision, right? But They're, not, they're different. Our mission is a part of our identity. You know, that's, that's who we are. We are a congregation for Yeshua, right? But a vision has to be more than that. Our vision statement is a future picture that we can work together toward. We can move toward that vision. The vision cannot be carried out By the student rabbi alone, or the elders alone, or the broader leadership alone. All of us have to believe in it, pursue it, and live it in the context of Yeshua's victory and kingdom, if it is to be manifested on the earth. So, would you like to see it, what we came up with? All right, so here it is, our vision statement. To bridge and restore relationship between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations. I'm going to read it again. To bridge and restore relationship between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations. You see, it's a three-way relationship. It's a triangle. Okay? Bridging and restoring relationship between Yeshua and the Jewish people... Yeshua and the nations, and the Jewish people in the nations, all three. Um, Yeshua to the Jewish people. This is kind of like uh, the story of Joseph. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and he is then recognized as their savior and as their brother, whom they previously rejected. So restoring the image of Yeshua so that Jews will recognize him as their brother and their Savior. That's the idea here, just like with Joseph. Bridging Yeshua to the nations is very similar. As the Messianic Jewish community, we can restore the Jewishness of Messiah to the nations. And along with that, God's eternal covenant with Israel. Yeshua as the quintessential second temple rabbi. And Yeshua as the living Torah. Restoring the gap between the Jewish people and the nations... This is a gap that has existed for almost 2,000 years. And this is one of the main purposes of the Messianic Jewish community. And only with Yeshua is this possible. This vision calls for our community to do it. And this is what the elders and I believe God has called for us to do. This is what we've prayed about, and this is what we wanted to share with you. Do you see how this supports God's overall vision for Israel and the Torah and the nations in Scripture and in the story of Ezra. We are the continuation of what Ezra was doing, of his vision. We are working in the power of Messiah to complete to the fullness what Ezra started. Not only does this vision require all of us, but it should pervade every ministry. We should ask, how does each ministry support Our vision. How are we bridging and restoring relationship between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations in our Hebrew classes? In our ushering, in our dance ministry. In addition to the vision, we also came up with values for our congregation. In other words, we looked at all of the um, ministries that we do and we decided what what was important to us now we currently have something on our website we call values but I really think they should be more accurately called pillars so these are our three pillars okay um, this is what we had before not yet don't, don't look <sighs> spoiler alert so we, <laughs> we have something called pillars uh, we are a synagogue. Yeshua is central, and integrity with God and man. Have you heard that before, somewhere along the way? Okay. So we still have those, but we also have values. Well, I wonder what they are. All right. Um, they come. They they come from our vision, and they help us determine our goals. So we have values. No, we have start off with vision, then we go to values, and that helps us with our. Goals. Um, Our values are things that we felt are important to us as a congregation. Um, To make it easy to remember, I'm going to ask you a question. What does the Tikvot part of Tikvot Israel stand for? Hope. That's a surprise, right? So that's all you have to remember. Let's take a look. Hope. Yay. (laughs) Here it is. The H stands for help. The O stands for outreach, P is purpose, and E is education. So I'm going to talk about these. You can leave it up. I'll talk about these one by one. Help means uh, we want to disciple people. We want to help people live their lives with God in freedom and maturity. We want to help people that are hurting and uh, help them heal and help them restore. Outreach means we want to reach out beyond our building with God's love and with the gospel, helping others, meeting others' needs in the broader community, as Elisa was talking about earlier. Purpose means that we want to be a family. We want to have strong relationships, strong ministries that show love and belonging. We want to have healthy, godly relationships as brothers and sisters in Messiah. We want to resolve conflicts biblically and with gentleness. And education means, of course, we want to learn. We want to learn about God and Torah. We want to learn about Hebrew, about the Jewish feasts, and about theology and apologetics, and many more. So after Oneg, today, we're going to have a question and answer about the vision and values that I just shared. And we want your input. We want to process it with you just as we processed it as a leadership team. Now, only active members, and we have a list, are going to have voice in the meeting. That means that those will be the ones that are asking the questions. But if you are a regular attendee of Tikvot or an inactive member, you're welcome to join us and to to listen because uh, we want to share our vision with you as well. Uh, The next step that we're taking, of course, as I said, we're developing goals, really specific goals, based on the values and the vision of our congregation. And we are continuing to meet and pray and talk about this on a regular basis. So, please continue to keep the leadership in your prayers. We really appreciate all that you have prayed for us, for wisdom in the past, and we're saying we would love for you to continue that. Zerubbabel had a vision to rebuild the temple. Ezra had a vision to teach the Torah. Let's continue that vision, rooted in Scripture, empowered by the Ruach HaKodesh, and in light of the authority of Yeshua and his teaching. We want to bridge and restore relationship between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations. Let's do it together. Amen? All right.